Ah, it is so good to be together. It is so good to see you, so good to hear you. Thanks for coming. Those of you who are new here, we are glad that you're here. If you're joining us at our West location or in at Halifax, we are one church in multiple locations, and we are happy to be together as we continue our series on marriage called For Better, For Worse. And now this isn't just for married people. This is gonna be hopefully helpful for anybody, whether you're single, you're dating, you're divorced, you're a widow. This is gonna help with relationships in general. And last week we started by looking at how to put it all together. And we're gonna jump in this week at something that only affects a small segment of us who are in relationships. And that is this whole issue of conflict. <laughs> yes. Have any of you, uh, any honest married couples in this place want to want to admit to the fact that there's a, the occasional fight and conflict uh, in the marriage? Anybody? Oh, we got lots of liars in church today here at the Valley. I don't know about West. Yes, it happens in marriage. And the crazy thing is, let me know if this has happened to you. It happens to my wife and I all the time. We'll just get going at each other, and then you'll have this moment where you're like, what are we even fighting about? Anybody ever have that? Like, why are we fighting? Like, what, what, what even started this? It's this crazy thing that happens to married couples. And listen, we're not different. We all have the same things. In fact, I want you to check this video out because this is every couple everywhere. If it's not you, it's at least Melanie and I. Check this out. I thought this was funny. That's not how you fold the towels. It doesn't matter how you fold a towel. It does matter how you fold a towel. If you want it to fit in the closet, you have to roll it. Could you chew any louder? This goes on here. It takes two seconds. Well, then the next person who comes in will do it. That's not the point. Hey, did you throw away my leftovers? No. I could have sw The toilet paper goes over. It's printed that way so you could see it. No, the toilet paper goes under so that the cats don't get at it. That makes no sense. What do you want to get for dinner? I don't really care. Then just pick something. You choose. Told you. Shut up. I don't see why I have to put the utensils face down. Because when they're sticking up like that, if someone trips and falls, they're going to impale themselves and die. That's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not playing this game where I list every single thing and you shoot it all down. I'm not doing this again. Well, then I don't know what to tell you. Oh my gosh, watch this. This is the best line. Did you watch this without me? You weren't home! Seriously, six more inches and it's in the sink. Anything will be fine. It's fine. food. Fine. All right, we're gonna get pizza. Anything but pizza. What do you want to eat? That is Bill Paxton. It is Bill Pullman. Bill Paxton was in Aliens. That is Bill Paxton. That is him. Game over, man. That is that man right there. Why am I gonna put them away? I'm wearing them tomorrow morning. I don't care if you're wearing them tomorrow morning. I don't want them just sitting by my side of the bed all night. Why do you do this? You squeeze from the bottom. The next person doesn't have to squeeze then. It's toothpaste. It's not like it's hard to squeeze it from a new area on the tube. Why are we fighting about this? Why are we fighting about this? I, why are we fighting about this? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made you make the decision. With that being said, I think your original call of pizza is fine. Just no pepperoni. That is every couple everywhere, is it not? 
That's at least like 80% my wife and I. There are several ongoing fights going on along those lines. Uh, there's a guy named Dr. John Gottman who's like one of the foremost uh, doctors who works in this area of marriage. And he says the issue actually isn't about whether or not you fight. In fact, every, every couple's going to fight, but the, the, the underlying issue and the thing that actually destroys marriages is not the presence of conflict, it's the presence of unresolved conflict. That in fact, if you don't know how to deal with it and how to work with it right, you're actually, that's what's gonna be the issue. The issue is not whether or not there's conflict. The issue is what kind of conflict there is. And so today I wanna talk for a few minutes so that we can learn how to have and deal with healthy conflict. And I know that's affecting a lot of you because hundreds of you took our marriage survey and we discovered that a lot of you are dealing with tension and, and in areas of conflict, things you can't quite resolve. And so we're hopefully gonna find a few things and we're gonna learn first and foremost, just wanna encourage you, that if you are fighting in your marriage and there is conflict, that's actually better than if there was none at all. In fact, if you've ever, uh, those of you who have gone through divorce and my, my limited marriage counseling that I've dealt with, the, the couples that freak me out or the couples that I'm most concerned about are the ones that have no fight left in them, that you don't care. But if you're arguing and you have some some over overarching conflict, uh, this will hopefully help you out and we're gonna help move forward in this area of conflict. It's not an issue whether or not you have conflict. The issue is what you do with it. So three questions, three realizations, and three resolutions that I want to talk about today in this area of conflict. This is not gonna be a nine-point sermon. Everybody relax. Uh, this will go quick, but I, I think this will help you as it pertains to how we fight. The issue is how do we resolve, co resolve conflict? The title of my message today is Conflict Resolutions. I have three resolutions I want to suggest for us to help us get to where our marriages are turning out for the better, which is the purpose of this series. So the first question is this as it pertains to conflict. Question number one, if you're taking notes, is this. What are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? When it comes to this fight, what, what is the purpose of this conflict? Here's the realization we have to have. Conflict has its role. Conflict has its role. That should say role on the points. It doesn't, but it should say role, and it will hopefully in the future. <laughs> conflict has its role as it pertains to our relationship. Uh, John Gottman goes on to say that he can actually tell within 98% accuracy whether or not a couple is going to make it for the long haul based on how they resolve conflict. He can actually tell based on how they fight, and here's, here's why. There are two types of conflict. There is constructive conflict, and there is destructive conflict. Some conflict is actually constructive. It actually helps build and helps actually bring things forward. It's, it's not so different than your body. Anybody uh, go to the gym? Anybody do physical fitness? What you have to do when you're getting your body healthy is, by, is putting stress on your body. You get your heart rate up. You lift some weights and it puts tension on your muscles. It even tears the muscle fibers so that your body can, can actually build itself into greater health. You burn fat. Some of you need to learn that. It doesn't just fall off, does it? That, relax. I'm not pointing at anybody. No, it doesn't just fall off. It actually takes that work. You actually have to get out there and work it. So we have to understand the difference between constructive and destructive conflict. 
So constructive conflict, it actually helps us grow, but destructive conflict, it tears down. It's something that destroys, it's something that pulls back, and this is ultimately what destroys a marriage. We, when we use conflict to break them instead of build us. I just said something there. What destroys marriage is when we use conflict and we use our fights and the ultimate goal, what it's for, is ultimately you're trying to break them and get them to submit or surrender instead of build us. That's the difference between constructive and destructive. Now let's just be honest, and I'll be honest, I'll start the, start the way here. More times than I'm proud of can I think, I use those times of conflict to win for me. Not for us. Anybody, anybody like me, like you get in those moments and this is ultimately about my personal victory and not our marital unity. Wow, I feel massive judgment right now. <laughs> Y'all looking at me. Why don't you all come up here? I'm gonna sit down there and you, you help a brother out. Anybody, anybody ever find that? Like you, you get in these moments and really the goal what we're doing this for, my goal is to actually have personal victory instead of marital unity. But healthy conflict, healthy marriages start to understand and intentionally face conflict ultimately to the end of marital unity. That's what conflict's for. It's to build up. So here's our conflict resolution number one. Take this down. This is, this is important. We resolve to build, not break. We resolve to be building not breaking. We're builders, not breakers. My actions, our actions in a relationship have the power to either build up or tear down. They have the power to either build up or break. That's, that's a fact. And if I'm honest, a lot of the conflict in my relationships uh, come down to me building myself up by breaking you down. That is not what a healthy relationship, healthy marriage looks like. We have got to learn how to build up. The first way we have to do that is by identifying habits and things that are actually breaking. They're actually tearing down. They're actually causing that whole thing to, to come apart. Here's, here's a few th ideas. Uh, criticism. Criticism generally is something that is breaking. I mean, in the kind of the nagging sense of the word. Uh, the Bible says it is better to live on the edge of a roof than it is for a man to live in a home with a nagging wife. Just quoting the Bible. It's just in the Bible. Proverbs, check it out. It's in there. Sometimes, not, not, this isn't just a female thing, but generally I think, I think a lot of the time there's that kind of critical nitpicking thing. That's actually destructive conflict. This whole idea of cutting down, pulling out, nitpicking, that's destructive conflict. This whole nagging thing, that's not helpful. Uh, let me just help, help some people out. It's not helpful when we're kind of constantly nitpicking. That is not building up. Guys, eyes up here, eyes up here, all right? Don't, no, if, if, you, if I see this, you're out. All right, I got security coming. And you need more help than I can give you if, you're, if, you're, if you do that. When I'm talking about nagging, uh, man, we've got to go back to square one. So. so we can't be critical. That tears down. We can't be contemptuous. That also tears down. What is contempt? Contempt is to see yourself as greater than somebody. Don't we sometimes do that when we get into arguments? Don't we kind of position ourselves talking down, speaking down at them? 
Speaking from this place of superior, kind of moral high ground, anybody? Man, this feels really vulnerable right now, I'm just saying. Yeah, with this whole idea of being contemptuous, acting superior, mocking, we can't do that. That's actually destructive criticism. We actually have to avoid defensiveness. That also is destructive. This whole idea that just wah-pow, 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 not allowing things to come near me, just shooting down everything when, when someone wants to have a conversation and we just immediately go on the defense, deflecting and vilifying. Yeah, well, you did. Anybody, anybody ever do that judo move? Well, yeah, well, you did. Anybody? Yeah. West, the valley is killing me right now. Just saying, I don't... Another way, we, another way we kind of tear down and we have destructive criticism, destructive conflict, is through this idea of stonewalling. Let me call it the dudes for a second. This is one of my go-to moves. When my wife wants to have a healthy discussion and I don't, I just shut her down. I just, I just, I just zone. Anybody? Like you're, it's, it's amazing how long you can just kind of stare in one direction and not acknowledge that we want to have a conversation. Wow. I feel the respect going out of the room (laughs) right now. Stonewalling, this just avoidance, conflict avoidance, that's not the answer either. The answer is not that. And then one other thing that probably, that shouldn't have to be stated, but it does, is anytime it's being highly destructive, anytime we're being verbally abusive or physically abusive. Let me just say, as your pastor, if you come to this church and you are physically abusive, uh, and you are, you are married to someone who is physically abusive, please let us know and we'll find someone who's not saved yet and we're gonna send them after your abuser. <laughs> For real. We've got options around here. I can't knock you out, but I can bring some guys along with me that can. Oh. For real though, if you, if, you are in, if you are in a physically abusive relationship, you, you, you are allowed to, to distance yourself and you need to. You need to seek not just help from your community but from the police. So those are things that break. So how do we resolve to build? Couple ideas here. Number one, we need to use words that build up, not tear down. Your words are unbelievably powerful. Unbelievably powerful. We need to learn to treat our spouse with respect. If contempt if contempt is the enemy, if treating, if talking down to our spouse is actually tearing them down, then how do we, how do we avoid that? We, we treat them with respect. We at least look at them at the same level and don't try to make ourselves feel better than them. We need to remove our guard and own what we need to own. It's hard. That's hard. But that's how, that's how we get to constructive conflict. We own our stuff and we deal with things. I think there's a healthy place for like cooler heads prevailing. Sometimes my wife and I are just in no space to deal with it right then and there and we need to go take a walk or take a deep breath. But you can't keep pushing off conflict. It's unresolved conflict that destroys marriages. You have to go back and you have to try to work it out. So we have to resolve to build, not break. Okay, question number two. Question number two, when it comes to conflict resolution, here we're gonna get really practical. What are we fighting with? What are we fighting with? How are we doing this? Conflict has its rules, that is correct. Conflict has its rules. There is a way that we are supposed to, in love for one another, work out our conflict. 
that we're, there actually are guidelines and ways that we're supposed to. Dr. Gottman goes on to say, it's not a matter of how, of if you fight, but how. It's how you work it out. And so if we're gonna have better marriages, we have to learn how to fight right and how to fight fair. And here's what we need to know. Love has rules. Love has ways. Now I know we've been conditioned in our culture uh, through uh, the notebook and other romantic things like that to think that love is ultimately about a feeling. It's not. Love is, in the words of the great songwriters, Boston, it's more than a feeling when they play that old song play. You know that one? It's more, it's more than a feeling. Love is more than a feeling. It's actions. That's, let's go another 80s, 80s rock reference. Extreme. It's more than words. Remember that one? Saying I love you. Not the words I want. You know, extreme. Forget it. Forget it. I have time. I don't have time for that. Love is actually more than words. There are accompanying actions, and so if we take vows with one another and we marry one another, that when we say "I love you" and "I want to do life with you," what we're doing is setting standards, not feelings. And we're actually setting commitments, not feelings. This is actually what the point of 1 Corinthians 13 is. You, probably half of you have this read at your wedding. It's the love chapter in the Bible. I'll read it to you in just a second, but you gotta understand why Paul wrote that. He wrote that to get to the back to the heart of what it means to follow Jesus, to love like Jesus. And he said that love is going to accompany certain action. He was talking to some people who had totally lost the plot of what love is and what love does. Look at how he says it. This is the message version, and he says this. He says, if I give everything I own to the poor and I even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So love is a standard. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. You see, he's starting to describe what love looks like. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. You're all hearing the relationship advice in here, aren't you? Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth. Puts up with anything. Wow, I tried to whistle there, didn't have it. <laughs> Trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Now, why would Paul go to the lengths of stating those things if love just happens? Why would he go to the lengths of defining what love does if he could trust, our, he, he, it's because he can't trust and we can't trust that our hearts are just gonna lead us to act according to love. That's the great lie of our day and our culture, that if you just follow your heart, it's gonna lead you to good places. No, your heart is a horribly deceptive, selfish thing. And the Bible over and over says, don't follow your heart. Don't trust it. 
Don't follow your feelings. Don't stay true to you. That's a very bad idea, and it's an extremely bad idea when it comes to a loving relationship. So we have to follow something else. We have to follow the standards that love sets us. And we see right here that there's guidelines for love, and, and Paul does a great job of setting guidelines. So here's the second resolution, conflict resolution number two. If you're taking notes, write this down. I hope this is gonna be helpful. We have to resolve to let love rule. There's a 90s song, you got to let love rule. Lenny Kravitz, I got a song in my heart today, just saying. There are rules for love. There are, there are rules. I have a few of them. I pulled them right from, from Paul here. There's probably more we could do today, but let's just get a start. This is gonna be plenty, trust me. But five rules for navigating our loving relationship, whether it's with our wife or we're dating, or this will even help you if you're just in a normal human relationship. If you can do these things, you're gonna come out for the better. First, Paul tells us that love never gives up. Specifically, love cares more for others and it puts up with anything. That is a high ideal. Here, here's how I would say this. Uh, number one, love is absorbent. Love is absorbent. Love absorbs. It puts up with. It takes on. That's what love does. Paul is saying Love, if you are gonna love someone, here's how it's gonna look in action. It's going to be you absorbing anxiety. You absorbing frustration. Love absorbs annoyance. Love absorbs anxiety. That's what love does. Love takes on itself. It cares more for you. It says, how can I serve you? How can I take on your frustration? How can I hold back mine and take on yours? That's what love does. Love absorbs. Now, this is not about suppression. This is about restraint and giving care to one another. It's choosing to take on instead of give off. There it is. Don't we, a lot of the time, like we get home from work and we just want to, blah, on those we love the most, right? Isn't that it? Like you had a bad day and some stuff spilled and you just want to dump on one another. But here's what love does. Love is a sponge. Love sucks up the stuff. That's what love does. This is a really sucky sponge. <laughs> it's good. A lot of the time we're tempted with those we love the most and those we're closest to, we're tempted to just go home and dump on them. Take my stress, take my anxiety. I had a bad day, ah! <laughs> Paul's saying no, love actually does the exact opposite. Love actually comes in and says how can I absorb how you're feeling? How can I take on your stress? How can I swallow my own irritation? That's half the battle, isn't it? Just not dumping your own frustration on one another. Let's start with that this week. Here's some homework. Before you start absorbing your, uh, your partner's anxiety, let's just start by not dumping ours on them. Let's be sponges. Let's be sponges. Here, here's, a, here's a rule of, 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 uh, of absorption. It's I will be collected instead of reactive in conflict. My job is to... Take it in. If you find yourself going like this a lot in your relationship, 
you're doing it right. Really. Again, this isn't about suppression and we have to deal with our issues, but it is about choosing not to dump the world's frustration on the people we love the most. That's, that's my new territory goal for this year. Those of, you, those of you who were with us back at the start of the year, we did a 21-day fast and we asked God, what is some new territory you want me to reach for this year in obedience and faith? And for me, what God said was, Brent, the people you love the most and the people that you're closest to get the worst version of you. You give your best to the church. You give your best when you're out with people. You, you, you smile and you, you give your best. And then what you do when you come home is because you trust them, because you know they're not going anywhere, you just let your guard down and you just bleh on your wife. And you snap at your kids and you dump your stress and your frustration on them. I want you to try, and I've been working on it. I'm not perfect, but I've been working on it, trying to give my best to those I love the most. That's what love does. We got it backwards in our culture, don't we? Go out and smile at work. Smile at the person that Tim's. You don't even see them again. Let you, you be you there. When it's with your wife, <laughs> with it, when it's with your wife, like why do we do that? I think there's some misguided comfort. You know, I, I think there's, a mis, there's an unsanctified version of love in there that says, well, because you love me, I get to be me. But what happens is the enemy wants us to take that beyond comfort into complacency where we just dump our stuff on one another and that's not healthy. Love absorbs. Number two, he says in, verse, in chapter 13, it tells us that love doesn't fly off the handle. Oh, I heard some audible gasps. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love does not act in quick anger. Uh, the, the original, some of the older, old translations say love is not easily angered. Love is not easily angered. Let me, let me say this. Here's another, another rule of love. Love is, I know, I know people want to tell you that love is passionate. It's hot. No, it's not. <laughs> love is cool. And love keeps its cool. Love is grounded, not hot-headed. Love acts, not reactionary. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't get lit up. Love keeps its cool, and it actively tries in those moments of frustration to be the person who lets it slide. In the, in the, in the, in the words of the wise Jay-Z, you, you just brush your shoulder off once in a while, right? That's what we, so many song references today. I don't know. I don't know why. They're just coming to me. But we ask, that's what love tells us we need to do. We need to be the ones who are quick to forgive, quick to turn the other cheek, quick to say, you know what? I'm not gonna make a big deal about that. I'm gonna make the big deal smaller. I'm not gonna make the, 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 the molehill a mountain. That's what love does. So we're, we're absorbing the big stuff and we're saying, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna bring it down to where I'm not gonna blow up because of this. And love does not look for things to cause irritation. Love is not easily irritated. Now, I know, I know we're all feeling like, well, who can do this? We'll get to that, we'll get to that in a minute, but you gotta understand, that's, there's the standard. The standard is if you're gonna live in a loving relationship, you're gonna resolve conflict, you gotta do it. First and foremost, like, like 85, 90% of the things that are issues, like, like back in the video, are nothing. What are we fighting about? Gottman actually says in one of his books, he says, most of the things couples fight about, number, the number one thing that couples fight about is nothing. That's the number one thing that couples fight about. Nothing, stupid, stupid stuff. So we gotta, we gotta be those people who keep our cool. You know, we, we, you need to kind of resolve that I'll be cool instead of hot in conflict. 
go on, brush your shoulder off, right? That's what we're going to do. No. No Jay-Z fans. I am not telling you to go listen to Jay-Z. Just, just, all right? Edited version, radio edit. Number three, he says this. He says, love, oh, man, this one hit me between the eyes. Oh, this hurts. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It keeps no record of wrong. Man, I just took some of your best move, didn't I? Let's say it like this. Love is forgetful. Bunch of dudes just said, hey, I can do that. <laughs> get home, get home this, this week. You're gonna come home some night and your wife's gonna say, hey, do you remember to get the milk? And you're like, oh, I was just loving you. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I was just loving you. Just out there showing my love. I forgot. That's what I did. No. No, love, love forgets. Love, <laughs> not that kind of forget. I wish, I wish I have a problem with that. My mind is a thousand places. My wife basically has to take me by the cheeks and look me in the eyes and say, get milk. And even then, she'll have to text me on my way. Don't forget milk. I, I've even gone to Sobeys and forgotten why I was there. It's like, what? I've gone many times. My wife has sent me to get one thing, and I came back with 10 things and none of the one thing that she asked for. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a lover. That's what I do. <laughs> he says, hey, we keep no record of wrong. We keep no record of wrong. What he's talking about is that, like, the history book? You know the one that, like, she, she did something, like, like she, she backed the car into another truck, and you chose not to, like, get mad about it. You just, you're like, you know what, honey, it's okay. And you hugged it out, you said, we'll get this fixed, it's gonna be all right, but what you did was, you went to your phone, and you wrote down, June 22nd, she backed into a truck, and you keep that mental log that, no one else does that? <laughs> yeah, you do. You keep that mental log so that you never know when you're gonna need it. But when the fight breaks out, then you're like, well, yeah, but you, you did that. When? June 22nd, 2016, right? And Paul's saying, no, 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 love does not keep score. We do that in our relationships, don't we? We to be fair, you know, she, I was good and she was bad and then, you know, it's, and then she did that and so I got this mental score. That's, that's the other thing. If we start keeping score, we're delusional, right? Like we're all good and they're all bad. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, look, if you're married, it's not only zero, zero, but you're on the same team. It's not, it's not about the score. And in fact, if you're using history to get forward in your, in your, in your fight and in, in your conflict, that is not love. Love doesn't do that. So, guy, so guys, gals, we're going to collectively clear the history. We, love does not allow us to pull back old things. Look, we've all done it. Anybody? Anybody? It's a lonely place up here, just saying. Yeah, we all have done it. Well, you did that. Some of you, some of you have been married for like 45 years. Like, yeah, I still got stuff from like year two that I'm waiting for, <laughs> right? 
if we want to have marriage for the better, we want to we resolve conflict, we have to learn to clear the history and say, I, I will not use conflict that happened yesterday. I won't, I won't use yesterday's concerns in today's conflict. I'm just not going to do it. Love doesn't do that. He goes on, he says this, love isn't always me first. Love isn't always me first. Love is, say it like this, love is second. Love is second. I, I thought this video aptly described it. Check this out. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just. Sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... That's all too familiar. But he actually acted in love there. It was love for him to say, that must be hard. He let her say what she needed to say. It would have been love for her to say, do I have a nail? Can, can you get that? Love puts the other person first. And it doesn't, like Paul says in Philippians, says it doesn't, it doesn't look to itself. It actually values them as better than me. That's what Jesus did for us. It's actually us saying, you go first. Jesus did that for us. He said, you go first. I'm putting you before me. That's actually the key to healthy marriage and healthy conflict resolution is learning how to put one another first. Love goes second. Love doesn't always have to be heard. In fact, the Bible says in James, it says we gotta be quick to listen and slow to speak. Man, this is hard hitting today. I'm just saying, I don't know about you, but I'm like finding I am not passing on a lot of these things. We're gonna be quick to listen and slow to speak. It says in Proverbs 18, it says, fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in their own opinions. We have to let one another go first. Love is second. Last thing on the rules of love. Number five, here's another thing that Paul says. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Here's the last idea, number five. This is, this is a, another tough standard, but love is content. And how many of you know that contentment is a choice 
and it is a perspective. It is a feeling drawn from perspective. And love chooses to be content. Love focuses not on what it does not have, not on what they are lacking, but what they do have. That's a rule for love. It's, it's to actually say, I am not going to, when I look at you, I am not going to say glass half empty. I'm going to say glass half full, and then I'm going to find things to celebrate. Love actually finds things to celebrate about one another. Look, the ultimate robber of joy and the ultimate robber of, of your relationship, the ultimate contentment killer is criticism and comparison. Choosing criticism, choosing to focus on the wrong things, choosing to focus on, what's, focus on what's wrong instead of what's right, and then comparison. Looking at everybody else's highlight reel on Instagram, looking at that picture of Ryan Reynolds with his shirt off, and then you see your husband sitting with the drink on his, on his belly watching so you think you can dance. <laughs> Some other just emasculating thing. <laughs> what robs your joy and robs your contentment is when you start looking at the wrong things, you focus on what's wrong with them instead of what's right, and then you start comparing them to other people. Love chooses contentment. Love chooses. It looks for things to celebrate about one another. These are high standards. I understand that. And you're thinking about this and you're like, okay, well, as long as I put each other first and I'm basically entirely selfless, then we're gonna be all right. <laughs> so what you're saying, pastor, is do everything that comes against the grain of my nature. Got it. <laughs> That's the hard part about this. Okay, so love sets the standard, but where do we get, where do we get the power? Because those, are, those feelings are real, right? Like, like the frustration is real. The anger is real. The disappointment is real. The hurt is real. It's all real. And the things that you see are real. So, so what do we do with those issues when we can't muster up those things? I mean, some, some, for some things, they're superficial. For some things, you can strive and, and maybe do those things. But, but here's the ultimate thing you've got to understand. The ultimate question we have to ask when it comes to conflict. I'm going to wrap up with this. It's this idea of question number three, what are we fighting from? What are we fighting from? And here's the realization we have to have. Conflict has its root. That virtually every conflict that you're having, every fight that you're having, every issue that you have, 98% of them, if you could grab a string and keep pulling it would lead you back to something going on in your own heart. Most of the conflict that we have, again, sometimes your husband's just an idiot and you gotta be called on that. Sometimes, sometimes your wife just, what are you doing? Get off my, whatever it is. Like, so, okay. But a lot of the persisting issues, like I'm talking about persisting, like you keep coming back to that thing. Those dysfunctions that keep functioning in your relationship, those things, have a root. And the mistake we make is by focusing on the fruit instead of fighting at the root. We think that this issue is about them not coming home on time. And you got so mad because he was an hour and a half later than he said he was gonna be. And, and you ripped on him and you jumped on him and you got angry about it. 
Well, in actuality, it wasn't so much about whether he was late, it was that it made you feel afraid. It made you wonder, can I trust him? It made you wonder, am I alone in this? And you start pulling that thread and you find out there's actually a root of fear going on in there that's causing you to deal with it out here. See, every conflict has its root. And so the Bible actually tells us this. Jesus said in Luke chapter six, he says the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. And the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. What's he saying? He's saying the stuff that you're dealing with, the things that you're saying, the actions that you're doing, they have their root. And it has less to do with them and more to do with you. That most of the issues, most of the drama, most of the constant sources of frustration actually can be dealt with with you and your heart more than them getting right. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, not theirs, your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Conflict is an outward manifestation of deeper issues inside of us. You could follow from the conflict to the cause. And so here's the last resolution. We gotta realize something that a lot of the time, in fact, all the time, they are not the enemy, and oftentimes, in the words of the Bishop T.D. Jakes, the enemy is enemy. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The, the enemy's enemy. Like a, a lot of the time, the thing that's causing the dysfunction is actually a deeper issue that I gotta deal with, and I'm actually looking to you to fix what Jesus needs to fix in me. We talked about that a little bit last week, about in the context of covenant. We often make the mistake of thinking that the power of satisfaction and fulfillment, that they're going to complete me. Like Jerry Maguire, I know that's a really romantic thing, or he's like, you complete me. And she's like, you had me at hello. I know that's great. It's a lie. She does not complete you. He does not complete you. You complement one another. Jesus, there are things inside of you that only God can fulfill and only God can heal. Solomon had like 800 wives. They say he's the wisest man that ever lived. Ah. (laughs) I got one. Awesome. One is ideal, okay? But he said, God has set eternity in the heart of man. What's he mean? He means there are things inside of you that unless you get the voice and the presence of God speaking into and fulfilling, it's just gonna keep backfiring all the time. You have an empty hole in your soul. And as amazing as your husband is, as amazing as your wife is, or as amazing as your dream for them is, they will never ultimately satisfy some things in your heart that were meant for only Jesus to fulfill. So the last resolution is this. Band, you can come back. I'm gonna pray in just a minute. Conflict resolution number three, we resolve in conflict to check our own hearts. We have to take ownership and responsibility and check our own hearts. We need to find the root at work in us. We need to actually do the work, cool down enough, maybe ask our husband or ask our wife, is there a nail right here that I don't see that's actually causing the pain? Maybe ask someone that's not in the marriage, someone who's objective. Allow God to show you the root and the cause of the issue. That maybe the issue is a deeper thing. That maybe it's, there's insecurity that's going on deep in there. 
Maybe there's jealousy going on deep in there. Maybe there's shame going on deep in there. Maybe there's deep, deep woundedness that Jesus himself wants to fulfill. We have to check our own hearts. We need to get to the root and then get to the remedy. The remedy is Jesus. Listen, Jesus answers every, Jesus uproots every dysfunction inside of us. I think about it. Some of you, some of you guys deal with insecurity with your spouse. There's this constant, there's this constant, she makes you feel less than. Sometimes when she didn't even say something where she was speaking down to you, but you took it as her taking you down a peg. Maybe the issue wasn't her tone. Maybe the issue wasn't her criticism. Maybe the issue is you have a deep-seated shame inside of you that says, I don't know if I matter. I don't know if my life means anything. I don't know if I'm valuable. And here's the good news. Here's the bad news. She's never going to fulfill that. But the good news is this, Jesus already has spoken. The cross has already said, I have dealt with your shame and I have called you infinitely valuable. And so the cross is. The cross is where God says, here's how much you matter to me, that I would not, that while we were yet sinners, that Christ did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Some of you, some of you ladies, I know I'm generalizing, but, but go with me, some of you ladies, you're constantly hovering and on your husband. You're checking up on him and you're following where he is and you're, you're trying to just always be in the know and really what's going on has nothing to do with your husband's habits or patterns. It has everything to do with the fact that deep down inside you're afraid. And so you try to control things. You try to control him so that it gives you a sense of inner peace that says it's gonna be okay. But here's the, good, here's the bad news. No matter, he could give you the life of your dreams and there's still going to be a thing inside of you that's uneasy. It's like St. Augustine said, until it finds its rest in you, the soul's uneasy. But here's the good news, Jesus, Jesus has already spoken on the cross. That's what the gospel, the gospel sets us free from fear. We, so to, to resolve a lot of these things, we gotta go to Jesus as individuals and let Jesus remind us it is going to be okay because in that same verse where it says that he who did not spare his own son but graciously gave, us, gave him up for us all, how much more will he not along with him give us all things? That means if God gave us Jesus, he's looking out for us. See, the gospel uproots dysfunction. We have to do the work to find the root, expose it, and let Jesus be the remedy in our hearts. That's going to draw us closer together. That's going to fulfill us. That's going to heal and restore. That's the kind of thing that leads to the building up of a relationship. Why don't you stand with me? West, Halifax, let's pray. Father, thank you today for your truth. Thank you that in Jesus, Lord, there are things we wish to see in our spouse, but we thank you that there are deeper, deeper things that right now, whether our spouse changes, whether that thing shifts, right now, Jesus, you can give us what we truly need. And so Father, in, in the areas where we're afraid, in the areas where we're ashamed, in the areas where we're trying to control, Jesus, would you speak a better word? Would we hear in the depths of our souls, uh, God, your, your voice, would, would the gospel uproot us from all, all dysfunction in such a way that we even see it in our actions with our spouse. So Father, we look to you today as the, as the remedy at the root of conflict, and we say, Jesus, help us 
Help us believe we are who you say we are. Help us rest in you. And we pray this and we ask God for for grace in how we deal with one another. Help us live by the laws and rules of love, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen. amen.